0: Hello, I'm Lisa Smazarski, Editor-in-Chief of Stylists, and welcome to our brand new podcast, Stylist Live Sessions, recorded live from the and Brewery from our annual festival of inspiration, Stylist Live. In this episode, you're going to hear from Fern Cotton, podcaster, author, and all-round brilliant woman and wellbeing guru, In conversation with me, live in front of our festival audience. In this session, we get to grips with the gnarly world of purpose. How do you identify it? How do you make it happen? Can everyone have purpose? And why is confusing career and purpose bad for you? Plus, she honestly shares why you should never judge someone else's happiness by what you read in the papers. Whenever I chat to Fern, I always leave feeling inspired and uplifted. She is honest, candid and always useful. Now, because this is recorded live at the Truman Brewery, you will hear a little bit of background noise. There's some whooping and some clapping, but please feel free to join in. Here's what Fern had to say. Hello, wow, look at this room. Welcome back to Stylist Live. It is so fab... Yes, whoop, who whooped? Whoop, more whooping. <laughs> uh, I'm Lucas Mazarski, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Stylist I am so, so thrilled to have such a busy room. So thank you all for coming this afternoon. Um, as we all know, we don't need to go over this, but it's been a challenging few years for all of us. And as we began to emerge from the p- pandemic, stylists surveyed all of our readers, you guys, and we learned that 56% of you want to find more purpose and that the most important thing for us to is achieve before 2030 was contentment. Our next guest is someone who over the last few years has not only appeared on the cover as Stylist three times, but has also been on her own journey of connection and finding purpose. In the process, she's opened up spaces, including her highly successful Happy Place podcast, a newly launched self-care app of the same name, to allow others to find joy and meaning. And today we're going to talk about why so many of us are in search of our own happy place. Please join me in a huge warm welcome to Fern Cotton. Hi, how nice. So many people. God. So Hi many everyone. people. Oh, my gosh. It's, uh, it's exciting to be it's back. It's really nice we?
1: to be back, guys, like with other humans and doing stuff and leaving the house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's really we, good. We have become experts at leaving the house, I think, mm. now. You know, we're brushed up again. We are. So, so look, we're get, today we're going to talk about finding our purpose um, and really get into whether that's good for us, whether that's bad for us. But why do you think, more than ever, and what are you seeing through your own work, why people are searching for purpose so much?
1: Um, I think it's probably very sort of an individual thing because we've all been through collectively something, but individually we're all going through stuff all the time, and there's very few exceptions to that rule, that everyone's processing stuff from the past or dealing with the circumstance now. And I think think we just want to, I guess, feel more, and that's probably because we're so bombarded constantly with... Images, And I think we're mm. sort of catching on to the fact that um, with all the visuals that we're seeing constantly, um, we're kind of seeking meaning because mm. sometimes we're not sure there is very much maybe. Yeah. Or we're making a lot of assumptions about things. And I think we just want to feel something because we've realised that, you know, all of this new stuff like social media, which I really enjoy and I think there's a, there's some real value and connection within that. But the the flip side of that of course is that, you know, we're we're just seeing a lot of stuff the whole time. And and I don't I don't know if we're we're connecting with it as deeply these days mm. because we we sort of understand how it works and that there's a yep. a, a myth element Seen to behind it. Behind the curtain. We really, have, we yeah. have, and we've sort of like it was really fun at the start. Oh this is cool. Yeah. And then we started to believe it all and now I think we're going, oh this is interesting. We're starting to unpick it. And I think For a lot of us, the reaction is, well, I really just want to feel okay or excited or motivated, whatever it Mm. might be. But it's it's more of a feeling-led thing.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in that feeling because I think, obviously, we we had a few years of introspection, actually, didn't we? But I'm not sure we answered our own questions in that. And then we've come out back into the world. Some people just got dragged back into the reality that they were in before. So do you think it's that juxtaposition of this kind of, challenging period of time that's suddenly making us question it more than we would have done before.
1: Maybe. I mean, who knows? We might have come to these sort of loose conclusions without having been through lockdowns and everything. Mm. But I think certainly because there was so much change afoot um, and we were forced into some change that we we didn't like. And then there's been changes that have been very positive. Like I think one of the great things has been much more of a sort of flexible working environment. Yeah. I'm mainly working from home now, which for <laughs> a total homebody granny, <laughs> like really suits. And I love it. And
0: I do. Yeah, don't to be fair, you said go that to me for
1: years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just love being at home. It's nice and my cat's there and it's great. I like a snack and it's just lovely. So that's work. But I think giving people flexibility, especially for parents who, as we know, Really struggle with getting that balance and getting childcare and how expensive yeah. these things are. I think you know that there's been some really brilliant change, but there's also been very tough change. So I think any change probably ignites something in us and, mm. and ignites a lot of questions and um, and maybe we've realised that we we've got the propensity. Um, and the capacity to change a lot more than we thought you know we've we've been forced into a lots bit more of agency yeah probably, yeah and yeah and maybe a bit more flexibility yeah. and and we're kind of open to new things maybe i think there's just it's a time of great change uh, I, and I, I feel quite hopeful i think for the better and i yeah. think you know we all know that there are systemic problems of fur, global problems of fur, environmental problems of, fur, of fur, and we kind of know that Change has to take place and that solutions have to be found and I think we're all collectively feeling the tension of that but also hopefully the hopefulness of that as well.
0: Looking at your own journey because obviously you have changed quite a lot of what you've been doing and what you've worked on specifically. You've been very open about a lot of the challenges that you've had but do you you think you've always had a clear purpose and direction? Was that clear to you? Absolutely (laughs) not.
1: No, not at all. I mean I... I started in TV when I was 15. I, I'm from a working-class family in the suburbs, didn't know anyone in TV. So all of a sudden, being on TV at 15, I was like, what is go- what is this? This is amazing, all these shiny people and magical things going on. I, didn't, I just couldn't believe my luck. Yeah. So my goal at that point was just to keep doing that and to hopefully do that on a bigger scale each time, which is... You know, it was a a young, naive approach to it, which I don't have any regret towards. You know, I was a kid. But you are just climbing this ladder that's never-ending, and you you probably have a hope that at some point you feel like, and I'm complete. And you don't. You just... There's, like, another level and another level, and you keep going. And I found that at times exhausting, but also soul-destroying, when you see yourself then going down the ladder or yeah, plateauing because you're like, that's not what's meant to happen. I'm meant to keep climbing the ladder and then I end up a golden, shiny person. That doesn't exist. It, it mm. doesn't exist. And even the people that we look to in whatever field of work who are top, top of their game, they're riddled with insecurity, problems, personal issues going on. It doesn't save you. Mm. And I think I, I realised that from having a very... Uh, difficult period personally of turmoil, mentally felt extremely broken and nothing around me made sense. So the whole infrastructure that I'd created to feel okay, which was to keep climbing a ladder, didn't work. Like, oh, okay, well, what the hell do I do now? Because this goal that I had is not in place anymore and I don't believe that it's the focus. So what do I do? So for me, and I think many people have had this experience too, is I had to hit rock, rock bottom to see that the stuff I was doing wasn't working, to even have a tiny, tiny insight into the possibility of something else. Mm. And it wasn't like an epiphany like, oh yeah, I'll do this thing called Happy Place and then you know, I'll have purpose and I'll, I'll find meaning or whatever. It was a long, bumpy road to get anywhere near the brain space for that, because I was really like, I don't want to be on the telly, I don't want to do any of this stuff anymore, I'm over it. And accidentally, I then started to gravitate towards being honest. That's really the start Mm. of it for me, was being honest. And in my line of work, that luckily led to a whole new thing. I wasn't expecting it, I wasn't planning it. But interestingly, just this morning before I came here, I did a, an episode of Happy Place with a writer called Young Pueblo. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. He's, he's an incredible poet and writer. And we got talking about purpose. And, and I'm, you know, I'm no expert on purpose. I, I, I sometimes feel I have purpose in my work, but other days I feel confused or like I'm not putting enough energy into the, the bit that feels purpose-led. And his take on it is that if any of you sat here today, and this is certainly where I was for years and years, wondering, well, I don't even know what my purpose is. How mm. do I find it? He said it's not, it's not in, like, seeking it, trying to find it or work out cognitively what it is. You have to start doing some healing work, which I'm sure many of you are very au fait with, might have tried. It's nothing serious. It could be... Meditation, or trying a new practice or going to therapy or seeing a counsellor or anything that feels healing-led, if you start doing that, it just it arrives. And that sounds a bit, like, wishy-washy, like, oh, yeah, it arrives, sure. But it does. Like, you you, you heal your past traumas and, and the pain, and I was forced to do that because I felt like I didn't have any other option. Yeah. And then all the other stuff came mm. to the forefront. So I, I, felt, I felt like that was a very interesting process sort of when looking at finding what your purpose is that if you start doing that inner healing work it you'll you'll know you only you will know someone there's no one out there that can tell you what your purpose is Mm. and you can't copy someone else's purpose because it looks like worthy or or even fun like you have to know what it is and there's no wrong or right but you but you'll know
0: Yeah. I mean, I I must admit, one of my concerns about our collective striving for purpose is this kind of, it's another thing on the to-do list. We're all like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed already. And if you don't have a purpose, if you don't feel that, maybe you feel less than. I mean, how do you wrangle that challenge? Well, I think think that only
1: becomes a problem if we start viewing purpose as some grandiose, extravagant idea that we've got to be changing the world and helping millions of people, Mm. I I don't see it like that at all. I think purpose is just finding something that you know you do really well and that you really enjoy and that, you know... uh, you know it might then lead to helping people or doing something good or spreading some happiness into the world but it might not it might just be something that makes you feel good it might where just where you
0: get your kicks yeah, basically but yeah. but it could
1: be just like being nice to your next door neighbor and always checking in on them and making sure yeah. they're okay that's purpose mm. or always you know when you're at work even if you hate your job you can have purpose in it by making sure that you're nice to the people you work with that you make the person next mm. to you smile that If you're serving a customer that they leave feeling like they were seen and heard and all that good stuff, you can still find the purpose in it, which then I think in turn might lead to something that feels more suited to you. But I think Mm. if we are reaching for this grandiose idea of what is my purpose that's going to change the world and the way that people think and move through it, like it might be that, but it might not be that. It might be something very small and very simple that makes you feel really aligned with your values with what you believe to be true and yeah. makes
0: you feel good on a physical, mental and emotional level. And I think, I think that's, I think it's so refreshing to hear that actually, just that minimising it, stopping it being this huge amorphous idea. Yeah. Um, also one of the things I'm interested in is, because I hear this a lot, that people think that their careers have to satisfy every one of their needs and that might be purpose or happiness, but what you're suggesting is you can unpick those. It can sit outside of work. It can be a small thing that happens. It doesn't... That one thing doesn't have to define your, your life direction, I suppose. No, because then I think you do end up in... You're always going
1: to be dissatisfied. If you think that... If we are looking in the context of, of our working lives, if we think that we've got to feel completely fulfilled in every way... That, I mean, I don't, and I love what I do. I mm. absolutely love it. But there are days where I think... I don't want to do this, or that's not really floating my boat today. Or there are some jobs that I do because they're going to offer me a bit of—I don't know—whether it's financial stability yeah, throughout course, the year yeah. on a real base sort of level. It feels sort of crude talking about money, but you have to make decisions. Yeah, but people that
0: will actually help not that. think that with you. Actually, you're building a business. You're you're starting from you started from scratch actually quite a few years ago. Yeah, now you've yeah, yeah. had to. Yeah, I don't up. have
1: anyone that's going to save me if this goes wrong. So yeah. I know I have portions of my work that feel very purpose-led and I feel very fortunate after years of that being very absent Mm. of feeling like yes I know what I want to do and if our the foundations of any happy place project are that we want to be helpful then we're on the right path but there are some jobs where I think yeah I'll do that for the money or I'll do that because I think it will be fun yeah but there's no purpose there it's just it'll be a good laugh or I'll do something because it's a new experience and I could really do with learning. You know, that's a massive part of this new chapter of my career, which is so vastly different to what I used to do. I'd say, like, 90% of it is about learning and being willing to learn because I don't know what I'm doing half the time and I'm winging it and I'm blagging it and I've got to learn. So there's loads of stuff that feels like... Oh, like hard and boring and like can't be bothered and tiring and all that stuff but I still love it I still want to do it but I think if we're looking to be fulfilled in every area we're only ever going to feel
0: dissatisfied disgruntled and like giving up mm. and what do you think happens when someone's out of sync in those areas if you're sort of living that life that you have just described I think, you know, it's really easy to live in that way because we
1: are constantly viewing other people's lives and we're constantly making, yeah, comparisons constantly and assumptions and we're, you know, I know all this stuff, like most of you do, but I'll still look on Instagram and go, oh, look at them, everything's sorted for them (laughs) and, you know, they're coping just fine with all this madness going on and and look, they've made their kids some green (laughs) vegetable-based stuff and they're eating it and you know and you start to beat yourself up so it's very easy for us all to do that i don't think we need to feel embarrassed about that or ashamed about that we're constantly comparing ourselves the 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 sad bit is that it's normal and it shouldn't be because we should all be just doing what we want to do and what makes us feel good without constantly looking in all the other lanes to see how other people are doing and faring and We've all got different strengths. We've all got different weaknesses. One of the things, right, after this podcast I did today was so lovely with Young Pueblo. I can't stop thinking about it. And I think a massive part of all of this is, and it sounds, again, like very annoying and sort of a bit wanky to hear, but it is. But, like, self-compassion, self-love, whatever you want to call it, if that's missing, nothing will work. Mm-hmm. Like, literally... and I, I have been there, like when I was at my lowest, I was in perpetual self-loathing about everything. So nothing was working. I was just banging against walls and like, oh, God, I'm just not getting anywhere and nothing's changing or moving. And the thing I really realized talking to young Pueblo today was that to have self-love and self-compassion, you don't have to be this perfect person that gets it right. That's always nice. That doesn't make mistakes that's always acing things you know you can be you know a lovely person one day but a right bitch the next day but you can still love yourself <laughs> but you have an awareness that oh that probably wasn't the greatest to act in that way today but you can still love yourself have self-compassion and i think if we're coming from that place then all this stuff we're talking about purpose comparing ourselves all of it just fades into the background a bit. It's not a goal, it's not a focus, it's, you just have an awareness that it's, you know, it's a noisy world and that we're Mm going to be distracted constantly from what we know is right, what we feel is right. And this is stuff that I'm learning, you know. I don't, sometimes I feel uncomfortable doing these sorts of talks, because I think, what do I know? I'm not Mm -hmm. an expert, what the hell do I know? But I have learned so much from the 200 guests we've now had in the podcast, which is an absolute privilege to have sat for hours chatting to people. And also, i, I the only stuff I know is because I've made the worst, worst, worst mistakes and been at a very low point. So I can only ever talk from that place that I'm still learning, I'm still trying to understand it, still trying to work out all of this stuff. And the joy of doing this happy place work is doing it with other people and like bringing all of you lot along with me to go, right, what does this mean? How do we feel about this? Can we change some of what's been said before and whatever it is, you know, sort of moving through it all together feels exciting and wonderful. But I do think that self-compassion piece is, is really the foundation of all of it.
0: Yeah incredible um, i was just thinking she really does know what she's talking about i mean i'm under no shadow I, of I a doubt you i just really keep do. talking and then hopefully something <laughs> comes out my mouth that's helpful i don't know genuinely impressive um let's go back to your purpose then because you said actually you didn't set out to create happy place the podcast is where you started with that in mind where where do you find your purpose now um it, it has to always
1: be a very simple thing and it is to try and be helpful And that's not every time, you know, I won't always nail that. But I think if, you know, I've worked out that the way that I can be helpful because of the strange career that I've had and life that I've had, uh, being in this very abnormal state of being, you know, in the public eye and being judged or whatever it might be, the only helpful thing I can do, really, is be honest. And if I talk about my experiences or feelings, they may or may not resonate. But I think that helps break down the absolute BS myth of celebrity, which is (laughs) wildly mad and inaccurate in how we view that. I I love to break down that myth. Um, But also just to sort of connect with people on that level. You know, I feel so lucky that when we had like the Happy Place Festival this summer in London and Manchester, That I'm walking around and people feel they're able to come up to me if they've listened to the podcast or read one of my books and tell me about their life. I feel like that is such a privilege that people feel they can do that and that I get to hear all these amazing stories. And then I go, all right, maybe I have helped a bit because Mm. I've just talked about having anxiety or the time that I felt very, very depressed and went on medication Mm. or the problems I've had with body image and all these different things. I'm not doing anything special. I'm not doing anything that requires much skill. I'm just being bloody honest. And, um, And I've noticed the connection within that, so I just keep doing it. And sometimes it feels really uncomfortable. And sometimes I think, what am I talking about this stuff for? And I question myself, but when people share their stories with me, that's where I feel like this has been absolutely worth it, to forge connection and to also introduce other voices to mm. the platform via the podcast, the festival, the app. You know, it's not, there's no good me just waffling on constantly telling my story. That, that is very boring. I need to bring people from all walks of life with different stories, life experience, yeah. to share so that other people feel held and seen and understood. So mm. that is my
0: app absolute mission in life now which is i mean it's incredible and that actually that you say it's not hard to do but it, i think it is hard for people to be honest it's hard for people to reach out for help for example yeah. or to share how they're really feeling so i think by you doing that it helps to break down those barriers it's uh, super powerful and i think again the myth of celebrity is a really interesting one because the pedestal is high, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's mad. And it, like,
0: <laughs> I talk to this about my husband all the time. Because like, say we've
1: been at a thing, and we see a famous person. Me and my husband go all weird. Yeah. And like, we go, and then we go home and we go, oh my god, famous people are so weird. <laughs> like, they're so odd, and they create a barrier between you and them. Like, why are they doing that? And I certainly don't class myself in that category. I'm just a, a person who happens to weirdly be in the public eye some of the time. Because even saying that's not true. Because some people will go, I've never heard of you, mate. I don't know who you are. Or people used to say to me when I was on kids telly, oh, my kid loves you, I don't know who you are. And I'd go, oh, thank <laughs> you so much. That's like such a nice backhanded compliment. Um, so it, the whole thing is very confusing. And I, I feel like I still don't understand the myth of celebrity, but I certainly like to like blow it out of the water and go, it doesn't exist. And also, we're the ones creating the famous people because we're the ones choosing mm. to have our eyes on that person. We can make anyone famous if we're all talking about them or looking at them. So we're kind of choosing who they are and then slagging them off. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, the we do have concept. a very
0: complex relationship. Very weird, <laughs> like very weird. To say. <laughs> um, going back to, to your journey with purpose, for want of a better expression, but when did you think was the point where you're like, this is it? I've nailed it, this is what I want to do. You said this is now your mission. When did that come
1: um, together? Uh, th- very incrementally. I think after I wrote... Re- my first book was called Happy, and it, uh, it was not meant to be a book that really did anything. I just did it because I had very little other work that I wanted to do. Um, I was feeling very nervous about doing certain TV ideas. I was very nervous about being on the radio. And I was a bit... And I'd had two kids at this point, I mm-hmm. think. I think, Yeah. And I was just a bit like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know if this works anymore. So I wrote this book, Happy, which was the first time I'd ever stepped out of like, hello, I'm a person who's on the TV, who reads an cue about a show I don't really give a shit about. And then I started to go, hi, like, this is me. And here's some stuff that's happened. And this is how I felt about things. You know, don't have to listen or care about it, but this is just me exploring those subjects. And that book really resonated with people and allowed me to do all of this other stuff. And I think it was the first time I'd ever felt like, oh, I've done something that's maybe a bit helpful there. I think, you know, my job, even on Radio 1, I wanted people to listen to the show and feel happy. I didn't want to make their day worse. Mm. more difficult. Mm. So there was an element of me trying to do that, but I just didn't really understand that there was a, a, a focus, I guess. So I think the book was a bit of a turning point, but I still didn't really know what I was doing. And I think it's taken probably up until very recently, maybe the last couple of years, to go, oh, right, no, if we actually pull together lots of great people with brilliant life expertise and experience, we can really help people. Yeah. And, um, and that feels really exciting and sort of never-ending, but not in a ladder-climbing way, just in an expansive way. We can keep bringing new voices to the table. We can keep hearing these amazing stories. We can keep listening to our audience to go... Like you were saying before I came on the stage about what your audience want and need, We're trying to do the same thing. And that feels so expansive and never-ending. So I feel the joy of purpose for me is excitement. I wake up going, well, this is exciting, because I don't know, like, what else could we do and and how could we find more solutions rather than my goal is to be the biggest and the best and whatever. It's about expansion rather than it being like ladder climbing, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm picking up. You said that a few times now, this sort of the antithesis of the, the ladder climb. And actually, when you were speaking earlier, right at the beginning, I was reflecting on something I'd heard recently where someone saying we actually don't think about what happens once we've reached our goal. And actually, most people start as young adults might hit that in the first 10, 20 years because they've set, them, set their sights. And the then what becomes this yeah. kind of big looming thing. So I guess that's what we're talking about in purpose. It could be goals. It could be yeah. setting yourself little ambitious targets. But I not think ambitions
1: are fine and goals are fine. As long as you're not pinning everything to it. Like when I reach that goal, I will Happiness be fixed. Is, yeah. I'll be fixed. I'll be the most perfect, well-rounded human who's fixed. And all of my problems will dissipate. All of my fears, my anxieties, the past will be rectified. No, it won't. Because I know lots of people at the top of their game who are miserable, Yeah. miserable. They don't like what they're doing, they don't feel fulfilled, they're doing it, they don't know why they're doing it, but you're kind of stuck in it because everyone expects you to keep being at the top. That's a horrible place to be. Mm. It's not a nice place to be. So I think if you can simultaneously do a bit of work on the past or the pre- whatever it is that's bugging you, alongside setting really healthy goals, There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're not pinning your everything onto, when this happens, I will be okay. Because if you haven't sorted all the other stuff out, you won't be. And I can say that from a place of, I was on, without sounding like I'm boasting here, it's a fact, I was on a massive radio show, interviewing like Eminem and like all these amazing bands and artists every week coming in. Couldn't have been a more celebrated job. I was at like my lowest. I was Mm. so in a terrible mental state absolutely messed up in the head. So we know that equation doesn't work, but we still compare ourselves to others and think that we've got to reach this Mm. goal, even though we sort of know that it doesn't make sense. And and I get caught up in that sometimes Mm. still, and I know it doesn't work. So it's really complicated, and I think on a daily basis, we have to have the discipline to go, what do I really want? Is that really going to sort out the problems that I have?
0: Do you think someone can live without purpose. Is that all right? Mm. Can you be purposeless? hmm I think absolutely. I
1: think it's whatever makes you happy, isn't it? If you're happy being in the absolute now and enjoying your life and the relationships that you have in it, because that's one of the biggest yep. points of being a human is the dynamics that we have and the relationships we have with friends, partners, whoever it might be, animals, pets, highly important to me, um... If that makes you feel good, there's nothing wrong with it. There are no rules here. I think, you know, going on what your audience have said, that they want to find purpose, if you truly believe that's going to make you feel fired up and energised, incredible. Again, I, th- I think if you're aiming for purpose because you think it's going to fix you, that's where you need to do the healing bit first. Yeah, yeah. And then go, oh, yeah, maybe I... Maybe I am now ready to work out what that is. It's a cherry on the top It's not the solution. It's yeah, a nice thing. Or it that can, you can be have. your whole thing if you're doing it for the reasons that you want to be helpful or you want to feel excited every day, rather than again this pursuit of you know, this obsession we have with sort of perfectionism and being, you know, the perfect, fixed, healed, you know, functioning human that doesn't really exist. I, I, I haven't met someone that is like that. Maybe sort of Eckhart Tolle, but I've never met the guy. You know, but. I think we need to be happy with our flaws and our issues and the mistakes that we still are going to make every day. And, you know, we're humans. We're complex beings. And I think we need to go easy on ourselves, even in the pursuit of something like purpose or or joy.
0: Yeah. You've just launched your Happy Place app. We mentioned it at the beginning. Tell us a bit about that and why you decided to launch it now. Um, Very much along the lines
1: of you listening to your audience, we've really kind of asked what do people want and, 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 and why and how. And one of the things with Happy Places, uh, one of our absolute goals, is to ensure that we're offering either practices, conversations, solutions, experiences that are totally accessible to everybody. So it's got to be low price point. It's got to be easily accessed yeah. for everybody. It's got to be doable for everybody. So the app felt like... A really easy way to combine a lot of that because the app will keep growing and keep growing but we've already got a huge breadth of practices on there everything from meditation to breath work these are all things that i have found helpful over the years through all the learnings that i've had yoga nidra which is amazing for for lacking in sleep i have problems with sleep Um, the breath work stuff's really good for anxiety there's sleep stories on there to help you drift off to sleep there's yoga practices, there's articles. So it's a one-stop shop for really sort of like calming down and grounding and having really easily accessible tools to do that. So they're shorts, they're usually sort of between five, 10, 20 minutes long. So you could do them if you have a lunch break or before bed or first thing in the morning is when I tend to do it if I get up before the kids. But just to make it easy rather than, again, we don't want another thing to feel bad about. Like, oh, and I don't meditate. Another reason to hate myself. Don't have time for that. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, let's make it really easy and not all kind of worthy. Let's make it fun. Let's make it doable. So the
0: app is really trying to combine all of that in one place. So, uh, I know you said earlier that no one wants to hear you talk all day, but I genuinely could sit and listen and talk (laughs) to you all day. But we've run out of time and we can't. Honestly, you are so incredible. I'm going to ask you one more question before you go. Um, I mentioned at the beginning a bit of research that we did that said our audience are looking for contentment by 2030. For you, what would that ambition be by 2030? Um, I think contentment's a really good one, but I think I'll just be a real, like, yawn fest and go back to what I
1: said earlier. I think for me and a lot of us, that is... That is self-compassion. It's rooted in self-compassion. Because if we like ourselves, it doesn't matter where we are on this... I hate the word journey, but I can't think of another one. Our path (laughs) to wherever we think we're headed. We won't won't mind if we're at the start of it, in the middle of it, back beyond the start of it, You know, wherever we are. If we've got that self-compassion, we won't really care so much about any of that stuff. And I think that is contentment, I think, that you're happy wherever Mm -hmm. you are, rather than, I can only feel content if I am the best, best at the thing I do, with the most people, follow me on Instagram, and all this other stuff that we think we can quantify, our self-worth and all that BS. I think contentment lies in just being okay with who we are right now, sat here, either feeling good, feeling bad, feeling tired, feeling energised, feeling light and breezy feeling constipated (laughs) could be whatever like we're just all right in whatever it is and i think that is contentment and i
0: would like that please what a place to finish thank you honestly how good was that fern is Always insightful, so full of brilliant, considered advice and just so honest as well. I really do hope you enjoyed what she had to say. If you want to continue the conversation, visit stylist.co.uk or follow us at Stylist Magazine on social. And don't forget to subscribe to Stylist Live Sessions to hear more of our inspiring live talks from The One Show's Alex Jones, philosopher Alan de Botton, author and comedian Adam Kay, podcaster Pandora Sykes, and many more. To find out more about Fern and her work, download her Happy Place podcast today.